Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is Issues 2020. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Chance Hayes from the National Weather Service in Wichita. Welcome to Issues 2020. Good morning. How are you today? Well, you know, your job title is Warning Coordination Meteorologist. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, What does that really mean, Chance? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you really want to sit back and look at it as, uh, I guess you could say I'm like the public information officer for the local National Weather Service office. I, uh, I'm i the one that goes out and deals with folks just like you with the media. I, I work very closely with uh, a lot of our core partners, which would be emergency managers, fire, law enforcement, superintendents, uh, all media outlets. It's just kind of a jack-of-all-trades there. Plus, I, I deal with weather at the National Weather Service and, and go out and do damage assessments. Well, and I presume that means a good deal of your time is talking publicly about the weather then, huh? They're talking publicly? Absolutely. I yeah. do a lot of training outside the Weather Service as well. Uh, Storm Fury on the Plains is one of our biggest training sessions we have for the public every year. Yeah, I was going to mention the Storm Fury on the Plains. That's been, how many years has that been going on now? Well, you know, I've been at the National Weather Service here in Wichita since 1995, and and we haven't uh, missed a beat since then. And I know that it was occurring uh, several years prior to that. Uh, in fact, uh, the training began here in Kansas, I believe, down in Sumner County way back in the 1950s. So it's been going for quite some time. How, well, now, how long? How many presentations uh, uh, were you make this spring? You know. Well, unfortunately, we've had to cancel several of them due to the pandemic. But uh, on a given year, we usually uh, give about 32 to 33 of these storm fury on the presentations. But on a yearly average, we probably reach out and provide uh, about 110 to 120 presentations on a given year. Wow. So what's the average attendance on the storm fury of the Plains? You know, year in and year out, it fluctuates just a little bit. Uh, you know, when we've had a busy, severe weather season the following year, probably have a few more folks in attendance. But, you know, I'd say between the, the 30-something presentations that we give, we average somewhere between 80 to 100 folks per presentation every year. Okay, so uh, the audience is growing bigger every year, or can you gauge that? You know, it's it's difficult. You know, we had a few years there where we were down, uh, you know, about 70 or, or so folks per presentation. But over the last two to three years, we've seen those numbers going up just a little bit. 
The geographic area that you cover with Storm Fury on the Plains, uh, is that uh, how much of Kansas are you actually covering with, with these presentations, Chance? You know, we'll actually go out to 26 different counties across Central, which includes like Russell, Lincoln, and Sling counties. Further south to the state line, Harper, Kingman, Sumner, Cowley. And then we go all the way to the east, uh, almost to the state line. We uh, finish up with uh, Allen, Neosho, and Labatt County. So we have a total of 26 counties in central, south central and southeast Kansas. Now, obviously, this is a pretty involved audiovisual presentation. I confess that I have never been to a Storm Fury on the Plains presentation. I've been on uh, several presentations, but not one of these. Uh, Is it pretty involved? Tell us a little about what you you show there when you do this this Storm Fury on the Plains. You know, I'll be honest with you. It's a very exhaustive presentation that's uh, very educated, but also very enjoyable. Usually our presentations run for about two years. And we go out and we, and we talk to the fine folks here in Kansas, and, and we try and uh, teach them what they can look for in the skies to ensure that they understand what they're seeing and know, one, what to report back to the National Weather Service so that it can go into our warning decision process and help us out greatly there. But also, we'd like to train the public themselves, other than true storm spotters, because all of us are on the road heading up, 135 35 or 400 we want to be able to teach them you know that cloud doesn't look quite right maybe i shouldn't drive into into that storm just to stay safe we also will teach them a little bit of radar interpretation so they can understand where they are in relation to the storm so that they know don't that they don't drive into it uh, and then, of course, we also touch on uh, weather safety. You, uh, you you said two years. Did you mean two hours on the presentation? Oh, yeah. Because if it's a, <laughs> two years, that's you know, a lot some, of time. <laughs> you know, sometimes when I get rolling, they may think it's like two years. <laughs> but, no, it's actually uh, two hours. Do you get uh, pretty valuable feedback from the people who attend these uh, sessions? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's very uh, rewarding for me because – when I go out to each of these counties and provide the presentation, I'm seeing faces uh, year in and year out. I mean, I've, I've garnered some friendships with some of the presentations in some of these counties uh, with the individuals just because we see each other every year. Uh, so it's extremely rewarding. And, and every single year we get a lot of positive feedback and folks telling us that they had no idea one, it was provided, and two, how educational it is. Chance, uh, with regard to the uh, virus and the pandemic and so forth, has it uh, caused you to uh, call off all of your presentations? Uh, are you going to postpone? What are you going to do about that? You know, at this time, we have suspended all of the uh, visits into the office, so we're not uh, actually offering any tours or drop-ins at this point in time. And all of our outreach events, which does include these training sessions, have been suspended at this time. You think you uh, might get going if, if things clear up here in the next uh, few weeks? You know, I think right now we're looking to push things all the way through the month of April just to ensure that uh, the exposure is minimized for the staff, the facilities, and all the folks that would be participating as well. Yeah. One thing that we will be looking to do at the uh, local weather office here is is to try and put some of those presentations uh, on our Facebook page as we may host a Facebook Live event that will allow folks to sit in and learn a little bit more about the weather that way. How about that? All right. Tell us a little bit about the National Weather Service presence in Kansas. 
how many offices and how many meteorologists are actually working uh, here in Kansas? Well, I tell you, the concentration of National Weather Service offices right here in the state of Kansas is just about as high as you're going to see anywhere in the country. Uh, right now, we have seven different offices that actually serve the state of Kansas. And we uh, have National Weather Service Springfield, which has parts of far southeast Kansas. Of course, NWS Wichita. We have an office in Dodge City, Kansas, Goodland, Kansas. Hastings, Nebraska serves a portion of north central. We have Topeka, Kansas, and then also Pleasant Hill, Missouri. So the density of National Weather Service offices uh, here is, is, is just about as thick as, as we have across the country. And I would say on average at each one of those National Weather Service offices, we have anywhere between 24 to about 28 employees per office. Wow. You guys are a pretty big employer in the state, aren't you? Well, we're trying to. You know, I mean, it's important to try and keep those citizens safe. So we want to ensure, one, the forecasts and the warnings are getting out. But also we have electronics technicians that ensure all the equipment stays up and running. And we have IT folks to uh, make sure those computers are buzzing along as well. And again, when it comes to labor-intensive, you're a 24-7 operation in all of these places, right? No question. Uh, every weather service there, 24-7, 365, and generally we have uh, two meteorologists on duty at all times. And I know you have contingency plans. For instance, if something would happen, you'd have to go down uh, with the office here in, in Wichita. Then you could switch to another uh, office, and they could kind of take over for you. Is that the way it works? Oh, no question about it. The, uh, we have a, a very good and robust uh, continuity of operation plan, mm-hmm. which most folks are probably getting very familiar with, our COOP. Uh, but we have the capability to back up neighbor, neighboring offices with no degradation of service at all. Uh, in fact, on uh, April 14, 2012, when we had uh, one of the biggest outbreaks in Kansas history for tornadoes, uh, we had to hand over the reins to the Topeka office, and it was uh, seamless and flawless. In fact, most folks had no clue that uh, many of the statements uh, were being written out of the uh, Topeka office. So we have the ability to do that, and we're prepared if need be. Websites are relatively new. I mean, just over the past few years, they've really come into fruition. Uh, tell us about updating that information on, on the websites, because, I, frankly, I go to your website just about every day to find out what the high temperature was yesterday and some good information like this. Tell us about updating that information on the web. You bet. Uh, the majority of that is done automatically for us now. We've got a very robust uh, a team that uh, has written scripts and and able to place that information on every single website across the National Weather Service. You're probably also looking at several graphics that we uh, do place on our local websites, and many of those are done by the actual forecasters themselves here at the National Weather Service to try and and localize the forecast, uh, not only through a text format, but also for a graphical format. And we think that's extremely important because the majority of us nowadays are utilizing uh, mobile devices, be it a phone and or a tablet. And so uh, it's a quick one-stop shopping. They can look at that graph very quickly and understand what's going to happen versus actually having to go in and read the text. You're listening to Issues 2020 on the Intercom radio stations. Our guest is Chance Hayes from the National Weather Service here in Wichita. Let's talk, let's go ahead and talk about the, the storms now, Chance. Let's talk about tornadoes. How many touched down in Kansas last year? You know, we had 89 officially touched down across the state of Kansas, 
And, you know, I'm going to throw a few averages out and numbers here. Uh, typically, we really began looking at the number of tornadoes back in 1950. So if you go from 1950 to 2019, our average for the state is 62. So we were 27 above that average. Uh, if you look at the 30-year average, which is kind of the climatological average, uh, we were tied right at 89. But over the last 10 years, our average has been 94. So we were slightly below that. So, you know, if you really want to look at it, for the most part, from a climatological average, uh, we were about normal. It's about a normal count. Uh, the tornadoes that you that it counts, and it's hard. When you count one, uh, is it something that you look at uh, basically or off, exclusively on a radar echo or I know when you go out as, as spotters spite, spot these things, a lot of times two or three different people are looking at the same storm at different angles. It could be a little complicated in making sure you got an accurate count on that. Oh, there's no question. I mean, that happens quite frequently because you get a direction and distance from many of these uh, folks that are reporting, be it the uh, trained storm spotters, the public, or the chasers. So we have to narrow that information down, and there's multiple ways that we can do that. Uh, one, we can utilize the radar data. It's very sophisticated. It can show us where that rotational signature was. Uh, two, we can also go out and do a damage assessment personally uh, and look at the, any damage that may have occurred to assess was it one tornado or multiple tornadoes because there can be multi-vortex tornadoes uh, within a single circulation of a storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also will uh, utilize our partners as well uh, the emergency managers is they've got the boots on the ground locally and, and we'll work with them just to try and narrow all that information down as much as possible. Now, well, now how many injuries, uh, how many fatalities uh, last year in Kansas? Well, the, uh, one wonderful stat is we had zero fatalities across the state of Kansas last year. Uh, and, and that's a, a miraculous stat considering the tornado that moved, uh, through Douglas and Leavenworth counties up there, the EF4, the Lawrence and the Linwood tornadoes. Uh, but we did have 16 injuries. So uh, the more that we can reduce that, the, the better off we're all going to be, of course. Well, is it, a, is it good to compare uh, uh, numbers for Oklahoma and Nebraska? Are they similar in their numbers to what we have in Kansas on things like that? You know, I think uh, I don't know the exact numbers, to be yeah. quite honest with you, but I knew I do know that the uh, state of Oklahoma had a significant number of tornadoes last year. I think they had quite a few more than we did. Uh, but Nebraska, I'm not quite sure. I, I think they were somewhat lower. Uh, but I do know here we, we had 89 and, and it, you know, somewhat busy year for us. So we are in the bullseye severe weather here in the Central Plains. It's going to happen year in and year out. Uh, just some may touch down more so on one state versus the other. Well, which state has the busiest tornado season? But from what you just told me, it could be uh, it could be any one of three or four states in a given year, right? Oh, it very well could be. I mean, generally, when you look at the states that have the majority of tornadoes, uh, you're looking right here in the I-35 corridor, and generally in Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas, and there for several years. Uh, over the past 10, 15 years or so, Kansas routinely had more tornadoes than, than most states in the country. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Fujita uh, scale for measuring the power of a twister. And, and you go from, to give us the e, it's EF1 to EF4, is that right? And, and I think most people say, nope. what? Huh? I'm sorry. We're I'm actually EF, yeah, We're actually EF0 all the way up to an EF5. Oh, you can do a 5. And, okay. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, fortunately, 
those don't happen very often here in Kansas, uh, uh, of late anyway. We used to have uh, a little bit more than we do here of late, and, and that's a good thing. But basically what happens is, is that uh, we at the National Weather Service, uh, we have to go out and we have to ascertain the type of damage that occurs. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. They think it's solely a wind scale, but generally we have to go out and, and assess the damage, and based on that damage, it will infer the wind speeds uh, for any given tornado. And then based on that information, we can assign a rating, be it an EF0 with zero to little damage, or EF5, which would be catastrophic damage, uh, similar to what the uh, Greensburg tornado and and the uh, Wichita Andover tornado and the Heston tornado, which was actually 30 years ago on March 13th. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, the one in Greensburg as you were bringing that up. And the, I always remember that they, they say the path of the darn thing was almost two miles wide. Uh, but that, that didn't have anything to do with the wind speed. The wind speed was up around how, how – what was the wind speed on something like that? Well, you're generally talking wind speeds greater than 200 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost impossible to actually measure the exact wind speed. You know, we've had some uh, Doppler on wheels, which are radars on the back of trucks that will send signals up into these uh, tornadoes and storms to get the rotational velocities or the speeds aloft. Uh, but generally, when we're looking at a catastrophic tornado of an EF5, it's, it's going to be greater than 200 miles an hour. All right, let's uh, talk about what is, I believe, the most dangerous aspect of spring and summer storms. Is it flooding? Chance, is that my memory on this? Yeah, I would I would say so. And a lot of that is just because, uh, unfortunately, many of us make decisions that uh, we shouldn't make. And, and we drive through water-covered roads, and our vehicles become buoyant and get swept away. And, and folks can get injured or, you know, in some cases, lose their life. Yeah, and uh, when it comes to somebody's... Okay, you're in a car. How much water does it actually take to float a car away? Because I know it's not a lot of water as far as depth is concerned. It It's not. I mean, and each vehicle is going to be a little bit different yeah, based yeah. on the actual contact with the surface and the tires and, and also the weight of the vehicle. But usually we, we talk about two feet of water making most vehicles buoyant and uh, with the ability to float. Okay, we'll probably have uh, more severe thunderstorm warnings than any other bulletin. Uh, what triggers a severe thunderstorm warning, Chance? Yeah, when we're at the National Weather Service and we're sitting there observing all the radar data and listening to all the reports coming in from across the area, the trigger point for us is when we anticipate hailstones to be one inch in diameter or larger and or wind speeds 58 miles an hour or greater. And the 58 miles an hour comes from years ago uh, when they utilized knots versus miles per hour. And 50 knots actually equals 58 miles an hour. So one inch helm, 58 miles an hour are the trigger points for us. One or the other, right? And it can be both, of course. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and, and there are geographic areas. Uh, I have seen this over the past few years. Uh, you guys are being able to. Uh, what is it? What do you call that box there that uh, that you put up? It's uh, uh, the. Oh, it's uh, actually a uh, uh, what we call a polygon. The polygon, yes, or, I'm good. Yeah, the, the word yeah. escaped me, but the polygon you guys uh, can put up is is pretty specific anymore. I mean, geographic areas, you get you get uh, some pretty good targeting on that, don't you? We're trying to do that. We're trying to isolate the storms as much as possible to reduce false alarm area. 
so that more folks don't become complacent, thinking that, well, the whole county is within a warning and the storm's actually, you know, 20, 30 miles away, folks have a tendency to become a little bit complacent. So we call them storm-based warnings. So we're issuing our warnings based more on that storm's current location and the projected motion and speed of that storm. And then we will draw an area, which would be the polygon we were just talking about, to heighten the alertness for that area by issuing a warning. Uh, Chance, what's the difference between a a watch and a warning when it comes to severe thunderstorms or or a tornado warning as well. You bet. And one of the good things most folks here in Kansas are pretty cognizant yeah, of that, and they yeah. understand the difference. But the watch itself, just telling you to watch out. Keep an eye to the sky. Uh, keep an eye on your mobile devices. Follow the media sources uh, that you utilize to get information to understand when weather is approaching. And the warning means that you need to take action. And that's what we're looking for. It's kind of a ready, set, go, an outlook, watch, warning. Outlook's the ready. The watch is the set, and the go is the warning. Tell us about hail. Uh, we, sometimes we get some pretty – the last time I was out or out and saw some real hail, I got about tennis ball size. I was out one night covering hail. But hail can – that can be a real pain when it comes to those insurance adjustments and claims, right? No, there's no question about it. I mean, uh, you know, hailstones can range in size from anywhere from the, the size of a pea or smaller uh, all the way up to, you know, five inches in diameter or even larger in rarer cases, which we have had. Uh, you know, we had that September storm, I believe, way back in 2010, where it almost looked like uh, the hailstone casts that people were making from the divots in their yards almost looks like a Sasquatch uh, from foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were so huge. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you have to have very powerful updrafts, and that's wind rising up into the storm. And what takes those water droplets above the freezing line, and and the more times that it can make that transition above and below that freezing line, adds more and more layers to that hailstone. So, of course, the stronger the upward motion, the bigger the hailstones have the capability to get. So, you know, we are watching those. We look at storm heights quite frequently on radar, as well as the moisture content. And we have a pretty good idea when those hailstones start to get larger. And, and then the public helps uh, verify that by sending us reports either over the phone, through Twitter, or through Facebook. Talk about the the role of the media in getting out the word about severe weather, Chance. I couldn't express to you how important the media is to us. I mean, we understand that, that you all in the media field are the mass disseminators of information, and that's where the majority of people go, is uh, to your radio station, to the TV stations, to your apps on your phone. So we understand when we need to hit the masses, that information has to get to you. It's very imperative so that more info, more information is being shared with the people so they can take action. And and if that falters, you know, that's, that's where problems can start to arise. So you guys are a vital cog in the engine for us. Computers are such a big part of everything we do. And, and how does the... And NWS, the National Weather Service, how do you handle security? Those Your computers have got to be safe from outside resistance there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have teams uh, all the way from the national headquarters of Washington, D.C., uh, to the local regional offices. And then even locally, we have our electronic system and analysts and then also an IT person. So they're all working constantly 
uh, on our networks and our servers to ensure that they're secure to try and keep uh, all folks out that should not be in there. Well, over the years, it's, it's become more and more sophisticated. You, know, you can you can look at something on your wrist to find out what's going on, and, and there's no excuse for people to wait for us for the sirens, even though they do a great a great deal in warning us. Uh, there's uh, all kinds of media attention. They're ready to go, and uh, we'll pledge to keep doing that with you, Chance, over the next few months, next few years. Absolutely. All right, sir. Hey, thanks for spending some time with us uh, this morning on the Issue Show, and, uh, and good luck to you and all the folks at the National Weather Service offices around Kansas and, and all the great work that you do that uh, give us early warning. And, uh, gosh, uh, uh, without you guys, we, we wouldn't be able to tell what was going on unless we ran outdoors and took a look at the sky. So, <laughs> right, Chance? <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate everything that you all do and helping to keep uh, – your listening audience safe. You guys do a Thank fantastic you. Thank job. Thank you. Thank you. Our chance, guest is Chance Hayes from the National Weather Service in Wichita. That's all for this edition of Issues 2020. And, of course, we will be back next week. Issues 2020. Hey, thank you for listening to Issues 2020. Uh, I'm Steve McIntosh. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 